1: Here on After Hours, it's Straight Cash Homie. Small Batch
2: Southern Recipe Pork Rinds, they ask me to record their commercials. And I've been doing it for a few years now. Kevin Harlan, he's like, I'm going to bring that up on the Monday Night Football broadcast. But I didn't actually know that he would, or I didn't know if he would remember. Kevin Harlan on Westwood One, true to his word. Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds are the
3: keto-friendly snack that's as bold as you are. Kurt used to be the voice of those pork rinds, but then Amy Lawrence of CBS Radio <laughs> took her job. Well, Amy's great. But she is. And I was, I was visiting with her, and I said, what's the deal about taking yeah, money out of my deal guy's deal pocket that? there for the pork rinds commercial? Yeah, she's better at than no, yeah. I am, I hate to admit it, but she is. I <laughs> know. I hate to admit it, too, but the truth is the truth. and All right.
2: <laughs> I didn't even know that Kurt Warner knew my name.
3: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: One of the finest moments in my broadcast history. (laughs) And it wasn't even something I said or did on the air. Yeah, Kevin Hartland. Haven't had him on the show in a couple of years. We need to get him back. But Kurt Warner has been a guest now a couple of times, and he is a great sport, a great sport. Uh, so thank you to Kurt. Thank you to Kevin uh, for really seriously making my decade as a radio host. <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks so much for finding me on Twitter, A Law Radio, also on our Facebook page. And we're asking you who. And what are the worst teams in sports history in light of these Detroit Pistons who have now dropped 27 straight? It blows me away, but think about this. Just really consider and focus on this one piece of information. We'll call it a nerd alert. The Pistons have not won a game since their home opener in late October. Pre-Halloween, they have not won a game since before Halloween.
1: Also, Amy, I do believe the Arizona Diamondbacks have won a game more recently than the Detroit Pistons.
2: (laughs) That's adding insult to injury, producer Manny, who is manning the controls back at CBS Sports Radio headquarters, filling in for producer Jay these three nights as I uh, reintegrate myself into the world of sports radio. I actually was pretty nervous coming into last night's show because it takes some time to shake off that rust and because I needed to find my rhythm again. You all were so kind and you were amazing to send me so many Facebook posts and Twitter messages and telling me how good it was to hear me again. Uh, So I really appreciate that. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. Just try to catch up now and to find that quote-unquote normal rhythm, familiar rhythm again. But honestly, as quickly as I do, and, and it's these three shows that are getting me back into that rhythm, But they're not from home. They're not from headquarters. Uh, Instead, I'm in the after-hours super-secret home base in what is Bob's house, or as he likes to call it, our second home, until he sells it, I guess. I guess we want to be snooty and have a second home. Oh, dear. Not something I ever considered in my life. Don't think it's a priority for my marriage. But anyway... He and the two dogs are sleeping in another room. Last I knew, Penny had taken over poor Daisy's bed and the dog was, she was distressed. It's bad enough that Daisy is now having to welcome another person. She finally got used to me. Now she loves me. Uh, Daisy has to welcome another person into her life. But now there's this dog who outweighs her by, I don't know, let's go 53, 54 pounds. Uh, And the dog, Penny's just... She's old, okay. So you know, old people, old animals, what they do what they want, and they should. Um, but when I left the room, so I, we had, I had taken a nap, and Bob was was falling asleep. So I had done some work prep, and then was uh, laying down for a quick nap. And when I fell asleep, Penny was at the foot of the bed. But when I woke up, and I'm using my cell phone light to get out of the bedroom and and to get out here to get ready for the show, then. I'm looking around. I can't find Penny and I can't find Penny. Well, Penny had somehow, I guess I didn't hear her, had gotten up, had gone over to Bob's side of the bed, had plopped down and had put half of her neck, her shoulders, and her whole head on Daisy's bed. Daisy's a small dog. It was a small, it's a small bed. And Penny had essentially taken it over as her pillow. (laughs) Oh dear. I feel terrible. Poor Daisy. So she was... Click, 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 clicking around the bedroom and didn't know what to do. And when she realized I was awake, I tried to get her to lay down on Penny's bed, but she wouldn't. Instead, she just wanted me to hug her. Poor dog. She's a mess. And <laughs> now we're moving and stuff is everywhere. And yeah, she's she's got another dog drinking her water. I mean, the poor thing. She's a trooper, though. And uh, she's a lot of fun. She's pretty cute. Kind of afraid of her own shadow. Um, but at least she's not afraid of me anymore, which is nice. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Again, we're asking you the worst teams in sports history, and we're already seeing a bunch of answers on our Facebook page. Uh, so whether it's Twitter or Facebook, it's great to connect with you. Uh, cannot turn off my mic, which means that when I had a coughing fit last hour, you all got to hear it. Please don't go back and listen to that again on the podcast. Let's just skip that. Pretend like it never happened. I tried
1: timing some up and tried to turn off your microphone from Ooh, over here, but I can only do you. that so well.
2: I think I had water go down the wrong pipe. I think that's what happened, and there's really no quick fix for that, but thank you. Uh, let's see. Bobby on Twitter says the 1988 Baltimore Orioles started the season 0-21, and, and they are now just starting to turn it around. Oh, You know, I would say last season to me felt like the breakthrough year as they really turned it around and got back to – the right side, uh, meaning they were able to go right side up with more wins than losses. And then this year, of course, winning 100 games. I know they had an early exit from the playoffs, which was disappointing, but that's all experience that matters and that will help them moving forward. A young team for the most part, just great momentum and leadership and now a solid foundation. So thank you, Bobby, for the answer. We're going to retweet these from our show account after hours CBS. Uh, let's see. On our Facebook page, you're already blowing up the, the post. Uh, Toby says the Pirates from 1996 to present. Yeah, gosh, when they started out last season and were actually leading the NL Central for a while, it was awesome. And I was really hoping that it could be the year uh, that many Pirates fans would finally have some redemption and feel like, It hasn't all been for nothing, uh, but ultimately, they don't want to pay for talent. And I know in some cases, teams like, well, we'll say the Marlins, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, these are teams that don't pay a lot of money for talent and have had some success. Specifically, the Rays has a lot to do with their farm system. It is a juggernaut, uh, but it can be so depressing as a fan of a team that, refuses to spend money or doesn't want to spend a lot of money on its franchise and really cares more about bottom line than winning because there's nothing you can do about it. As a fan, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it except not go to games and not show up because maybe ownership gets the message or maybe ownership becomes even more stingy uh, and more tight tightwadded. Tight fisted, tight wadded, you know what I mean? Uh, and I think in the case of the Pirates, the part that's so hard for me, uh, first of all, my mom's whole side of the family is from the Youngstown, Ohio area, which is halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So I've gone to games in both cities, in the neighborhood where my grandparents lived, where I spent, it was really a second home, where I spent a lot of my growing, my time growing up. Uh, half the yards and driveways in the neighborhood were decorated in browns colors, Brown and orange. Uh, the other half were Steelers colors, gold and black. And then different times of the year, now, it it's a big football town, but different times of the year, half would be Pittsburgh Pirates fans. The other half would be Cleveland Indians fans. At the time, it was Indians. In fact, my first ever professional baseball game was at the old Cleveland Stadium with my grandfather when I was seven or eight years old. Uh, I went to a game and I actually don't remember exactly how old I was, but I went to a game and they were playing the Royals and Bo Jackson was on the roster at the time. And I was the only one in the stadium rooting for Bo Jackson, uh, wanting to see him hit some home runs. My grandfather was embarrassed because I was cheering and I was loud as a kid. And so he told the usher, he took a walk to get a drink or I don't know what he was doing. And he told the usher to keep an eye on me, which the usher did, because that's something that wasn't all that strange uh, going back to those days. All that to say, uh, I love to, to go to sporting events in both Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And PNC Park is one of my favorite parks in all of pro sports. One of my favorite parks in the majors for sure. And it's sad to know that For the most part, when the Pirates have success, it is a flash in the pan. So I agree with Toby and so many of you that are frustrated by the Pirates' strategy or lack thereof. Uh, Also on Facebook, Jay says the 89 Cowboys. We just had a caller about the Cowboys. That was Troy Ingman's rookie year, but they turned it around so quickly. Within four years, right, they were Super Bowl champions uh, back to back. Kevin says the Baltimore Orioles of the late 80s and early 90s were start in MLB history, if I remember correctly. Uh, John says the 2023 Steelers. Huh. I don't think I can be on board with that. I know the offense can be tough to watch uh, and at times tough to stomach. And there's been a lot of conversation about whether or not it is time for a change at head coach. Maybe you've heard the reports out there that uh, Mike Tomlin has been offered an extension, reportedly offered an extension by the Rooney family, by ownership, to keep him in place as the coach in Pittsburgh. I will say this, there is so much value in having a coach that's been tenured as long as he has in Pittsburgh – or as long as John Harbaugh in Baltimore or Pete Carroll in Seattle, who incidentally uh, will be the host team for Pittsburgh's next game. So that's coming up on Sunday, New Year's Eve. It's the Steelers and the Seahawks, both those teams right now fighting for playoff position. The Seahawks would be in if the playoffs ended I'm sorry, if the playoffs began today, if the season ended today, but of course it does not. So Pittsburgh's got work to do in what is a very challenging AFC North, and it's really tough to do when you don't have your quarterbacks. And so Mike Tomlin giving an update on an injured Kenny Pickett and what the plan is this week going into practice in prep for that Week 17 game.
4: And really, uh, we're in the same position with Kenny as we were last week. We'll give him a few reps and – kind of see where that leads us. But just as I said a week ago, in this setting, uh, Mason Rudolph was scheduled to be the quarterback for the week, and we'll see where Kenny is. We have the same mentality uh, as we start this week. Obviously, we have a great deal more comfort because of what we've seen in stadium um, from Mason Rudolph, and that helps us. Um, But we still really are in the same posture. Um, He's got the ball to start the week, and uh, we'll see where Kenny is from a mobility perspective um, and and then kind of go from there and plan day by day based on the things that we see from that perspective.
2: I do love Mike Tomlin. Little, little subdued, little uh, tepid compared to some of his press conferences but the Steelers do begin this week with Mason Rudolph in line to start so would love to be able to get Kenny Pickett back on the field but he had that ankle surgery early in December and we knew he was going to be out for at least a few weeks if not more uh Mason had all the first team reps to get ready for the Bengals and then Pickett was kind of working on the individual drills um he was ruled out before their final practice uh prior to game time. And Mason was great on Saturday. He led the Steelers offense on six different scoring drives. They had 34 points. That's the most points by the Steelers in two seasons since 2021. So I know that it wasn't all bad for Pittsburgh fans. Uh, he had nearly 300 yards passing a couple of touchdowns through the air And so for Mason Rudolph to go out there and have the success that he did, that was huge. Uh, What stood out to me were the chunk plays, right? So plays that went 30 plus yards, and there were multiple plays from Rudolph to George Pickens. They haven't had a lot of those going back to 2020. And so again, as much as people think there could be room for a change uh, at the, the head coaching spot with Tomlin, he's never led the Steelers to a losing season. Yes, it is worth mentioning every time I say that, that Ben Roethlisberger, a future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, is the guy that he was able to rely on for years and years. Uh, But think about Bill Belichick. It's not like he's forgotten how to coach. It's not like all of a sudden Belichick sucks because there's no Tom Brady around. No, there have been some poor decisions. There have been some choices that haven't worked out. Obviously, the whole... Let's have two former head coaches from other teams who are defensive-minded and special teams-minded become our offensive coordinators and call plays. That strategy did not work out last year. You know, Mac Jones... He's not been what they thought, whether it's, to me, it feels like a confidence issue and the hesitating, the second guessing, the poor decisions. Maybe he's not supposed to be an NFL quarterback. I'm not sure if he'll get another chance. Although as long as he's on a roster, there's always a chance, but it's not as though Belichick forgot to coach. They're just in a major transition and Mike Tomlin Steelers are as well trying to find that quarterback to move forward. I mean, even when Kenny Pickett was healthy, which he was earlier in the season, there's still a lot of people who question whether or not he should be the starting quarterback, the franchise quarterback to replace Ben Roethlisberger. So these these changes these. Transitions are not in any way easy. Think about Pete Carroll post Russ Wilson into Geno Russell Wilson into Geno Smith. Um, trying to think of some other examples: Aaron Rodgers into Jordan Love. Uh, I mean, that's an obvious one. Not every time, in fact, very rarely do you go from Brett Favre into uh, an Aaron Rodgers. How about with the Giants? They go from Eli Manning into Daniel Jones, right? So that transition has not been what they wanted or hoped. And and Daniel's now nursing a torn ACL, even though they did give him the contract last year. It's, it's tough. It's tough to do this in the NFL when it's so competitive and when there's so little margin for error. And when you know that if you're not constantly moving ahead you can't spin your wheels and stay in place. You're falling behind because half the playoff field turns over every year. We've seen teams go from worst to first almost every year. Um, It's, it's ever more competitive because of the rules changes and yada, yada, yada. Uh, And so I say to have a coach in place, who's got a consistent record. uh, It's, To me, far more beneficial to keep a guy like that and change around him, right? Because it's proven leadership. And when he's got the pieces in place, again, like Pete Carroll in Seattle, like Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, they can find a way to win. Now, it may not be the type of winning that these teams are used to or the fan bases are used to. But yeah, patience is at a premium so often in professional sports that when you have an ownership group that supports a coach, through transitional periods, through rocky stretches, through adversity. To me, that only makes the relationship stronger and only underscores the leadership of that head coach. So I think you'd be crazy to boot Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. And again, the reports are that the Rooney family want – They want him to have a long-term extension, to sign a long-term extension. Uh, We know that Bill Belichick signed a long-term extension last offseason. Don't know whether or not Robert Kraft will decide that's still the best plan moving forward. But if not, he'll have to pay Bill a ton of money, I'm sure. And it would be mere minutes. Minutes before Belichick was hired or at least given multiple offers by other coaches or other uh, teams around the league for their coaching vacancies. While we're talking about uh, some of the worst teams in sports, some of you have weighed in with the Jaguars going back to – well, the pre-Trevor Lawrence year when they were the number one overall draft pick because they had just the one win. And then going into the Urban Myers season, that was hideous, right? So Trevor's obviously a lot better. There were so many high expectations for the Jaguars coming out of the way they finished last season and won the AFC South. Uh, Trevor now dealing with a shoulder, though, a shoulder sprain, strain. uh, It's a lot of pain, really. Uh, And so Doug Peterson was offering an update on tuesday about what we could see this week
3: do you anticipate him uh practicing much this week or yeah it's it's a little bit early uh to tell um may may do a little something tomorrow but but i i would doubt that tomorrow um just it, it's you know um you know a little bit a little bit too soon but uh, we'll, we'll see it as the day as the week goes on mm.
2: all right i do hope we can get back on the field if you look at uh, some of the other quarterback question marks right now. We just talked about Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, and that was obviously because of a surgery. Um, but the sprained AC joint for Trevor Lawrence leaves him TBD. Uh, we we are having the same conversation about. Shoot, who was I just talking about, or who was I just thinking about? Excuse me. Oh, CJ Stroud out of the AFC South. Sorry, uh, in one brain selling out another. Uh, so yeah, there, there are question marks around some of the quarterbacks uh, right now. It just, it's interesting to look at the teams that have already made the playoffs and to know the stability at quarterback. So in the AFC, it's, Tua with the Dolphins, it's Josh Allen with the Bills, it's Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Uh, Crazy enough, the Browns have 10 wins, even though they've started, what is it, four different quarterbacks? And Joe Flacco, how cool that is, so we'll maybe hear from him following the break. Also, I know a lot of Cleveland Browns fans are thrilled. Not quite what you expected, and yet it's amazing. Uh, Let's see. The the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes, though they've had, a I think, a miserable campaign coming off of their second Super Bowl win with him. Uh, It's been mistakes and penalties and drop passes and just lack of discipline, which is not something you see typically from an Andy Reid team. But they are on top of their division because, in large part, they still have their starting quarterback. We know the Eagles and the Cowboys do as well. They're both in the playoffs. Jared Goff, you want to talk about one of the coolest stories to go along with the Lions winning their first division title in 30 years. This redemption for Jared Goff after he helped guide the Rams to a Super Bowl. And it was a loss, but guided them to a Super Bowl appearance uh, before he was unceremoniously dumped to Detroit in exchange for Matthew Stafford. And yet look at what his second chance has meant for him and for the Lions. Uh, Baker Mayfield still starting for the Buccaneers. They lead the NFC South and obviously Brock Purdy uh, in the West. They've already clinched that division title. So, Having the steady force at quarterback and at head coach means more than you know. Just ask any team out there that can't seem to keep a coach or a quarterback on the field. Who and what are the worst teams in pro sports? And I believe we have Mark in Maine on the phones. We'll get to him coming up following the break. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Hey, Mel, Brian here. Got to work from home today, because
3: the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy!
1: Hey, Mikey! If you're going to puke, find the popcorn bowl!
3: But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get you that budget. Just as soon as... I.
0: Mikey popcorn bowl press one to use Instacart and get your family sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes press two to keep working do not press two just use Instacart Brian
5: celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of colors starting at just 3 dollars Ashley sleep mattresses starting at $2.50 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster Tempur-Pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment tax and delivery may be required. See store for details.
3: How powerful is Cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix and Rhode Island jam. Like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test, intelligence data, fixed median download speeds, U.S. Q3 2023. Second and six. Prescott got a deep strike to Lamb over the middle. Makes a cut inside, gets to the pylon, and it's a touchdown for C.D. Lamb. 49 yards on a catch and run.
2: Brad Sham on Cowboys Radio. And yeah, Dallas had an opportunity there on the road to take a game against the Miami Dolphins. That going back to Christmas weekend, uh, but squandered that chance. And ultimately, the Dolphins kick a late field goal. So the defense did its job in limiting the Dolphins to just 22 points. And that field goal, as time expired, put the Dolphins into The playoffs and right now they're sitting pretty atop the AFC East. But as for the Cowboys, not the same team on the road as they are at home, though they have clinched a playoff spot. They're no longer in the driver's seat for the NFC East, despite that huge win over Philadelphia two weeks ago. Uh, Jerry Jones does a weekly appearance on our Dallas affiliate 105.3 The Fan with Sean and RJ. And they asked him about the Cowboys looking ahead to January.
4: As far as us being in good shape to uh, go into the playoffs and really uh, make a wave, uh, I feel very good about our chances to do that. And Dak is playing outstanding. I thought Dak played a heck of a game the other night. He had pressure all night long. Uh, That had everything to do with uh, uh, not having Tyron and having to makeshift that offensive line to some degree. Everybody has to do it. But I thought Dak handled it outstanding.
2: So he talks about the pressure on Dak. Yeah, four sacks in that game uh, by Miami. But how about this? Another dozen QB hits. So the fact that he was constantly under pressure and Jerry points out that they're missing a critical piece on the offensive line, as many teams are right now. I mean, it's, it's become a battle and a survival of the fittest, right? It's become a war of attrition this part of the season. Um, And so credit the Cowboys for battling. You can certainly give them uh, and the defense a ton of credit for limiting that Miami offense. But ultimately, they are three and five away from home. And that's why I've said, even going back to before uh, my wedding break, they are a different team at home, which means that they critically could use that home field advantage. And yet, while they were at least in the running for the top seed, and I guess still technically they are, uh, they would need a lot of help and it doesn't look good for them. Uh, for for all kinds of reasons, uh, the Niners piece, the Eagles piece, uh, what they still got on their schedule – They're looking at playoff games on the road. Uh, Not necessarily the first week if they win the division, but it's not going to be a road that goes through Dallas, which is something that Jerry had said earlier in the season. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. We're asking you the worst teams in sports history, right? So who and what are the worst teams in sports history on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on my Twitter. You can find it. And then also on our Facebook page and lots of answers uh, that are reminding me some some dubious history, some dubious streaks going back. Uh, this tweet comes from Baltimore, Clippers till I was in my 30s, Orioles until this past year, Pirates still, Lions until this current year and Browns until two years ago. Let's go to our phones here and we're going to call before we t- get to the break. Michael is in Maine. Michael, welcome to After Hours CBS Sports Radio how are you amy i'm good thank you
4: good because you called me mark from main before the break so i'm, I'm glad you corrected that <laughs> but that's okay anyway there's a lot going on and i'm very uh, grateful to talk to you and your new husband and um before you hang up on me i want to just say something to you and your new husband and and all the listeners but um as far as the worst team, I think the Cowboys. You know, before they drafted their greatest draft, the draft pick of all time, which was Herschel Walker. Um, I think because Herschel Walker brought the Cowboys three Super Bowl championships, because they got I think everything in the kitchen sink. Just to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything in the kitchen sink from Herschel Walker, and we know what happened with Herschel Walker, you know, Senator Herschel Walker. And and it's been a tough 27 or eight years ever since then, obviously. But this is not the year for the Cowboys because, I mean, let's face it, they're the best team at home and they're one of the worst teams uh, on the road. And if they have to go three times to win in the playoffs before they get to the big game, I mean, what's the last team? And I'm calling from New England, okay? So what's what's the uh, one of the last teams? I think it's only happened two or three times, where where a playoff team has to go on the road three times, and needs to win, and then gets the Super Bowl. In 1986, the Patriots, their first Super Bowl ever, they you know beat Miami, they beat this one, they beat that one, whoever, and then they uh, went to uh, the Super Bowl, and they in '86. Uh, they saw somebody named uh, the Chicago Bears
2: <laughs> and
4: um, Rever- Refrigerator Perry, and yeah, it's
2: one of the first Super Bowls I remember <laughs> as a kid. I was living in New Hampshire at the time. Yep, you live in New Hampshire. I'm well. I'm a New You're Hampshire kidding. native. I grew up there. Yep. Wait.
4: Okay. So just you don't have to tell me exactly where what part of New Hampshire. Concord. Oh, okay. So the capital. Yes. Yes, the small little capital. Like a lot of people say, that's not really a, a capital because it's like almost a town because it's so beautiful. But Concord is beautiful. <laughs> You're from Concord. I I I went to school in Manchester. And
2: gotcha. I don't want
4: to bore. I don't want to bore all your listeners. I had no idea you were from New Hampshire.
2: Oh yes, so, proud uh... New Hampshire girl. <laughs> proud New Hampshire.
4: So, well, I'm originally from Massachusetts, and I, we always say Massachusetts make it in New Hampshire. Spend it in New Hampshire, and everybody from New Hampshire loves that because Mm -hmm. there's one thing the New Hampshire people love, and they love money.
2: So, (laughs) I want to leave you. I say we love freedom. Live free or die, baby. Live
4: free or die. Yes, that's true. Um, So, I just want to say to you and your new husband um, I don't say happy holidays. I say Merry Christmas, Happy Mm -hmm. Hanukkah. Today in New Hampshire is Kwanzaa. Oh, I mean, yesterday. What about today? And uh, in a couple of days, it's going to be Happy New Year. So uh, good luck to you. In, uh, you. And and well, What did you say his name is, Joe?
2: His name is Bob. <laughs> Bob,
4: Bob. It's not Bob that's Joe. his
2: pseudonym. Oh. It's actually his pseudonym. <laughs> I did not marry a Bob, but that's what he gets called on the radio.
4: Oh, my God. Well, you and I might have been in the same restaurants together in Concord, New Hampshire. I've spent Man. many, many, many days in, in New Hampshire, and I don't know how old you are, and I don't care. But uh, <laughs> God bless you, and uh, I'll talk to you next year.
2: Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you, Michael. I appreciate the phone call from Maine. Uh, yeah, It's always funny to me when I come across people who, and, and I know that we've got listeners who tune in and out all the time, but yes, a very prominent part of my history is that I grew up in New Hampshire uh, and I love the Granite State so much. Uh, it's always awesome to connect with New Englanders, but people may not realize that I actually got my radio start. Uh, well, my first my first ever professional jobs were in upstate New York, Western New York, coming out of Syracuse. But when I really uh, got. Got going when I had my first play by play gigs. Uh, those all took place in New Hampshire and Vermont. And then before I made the jump to network radio, my last stop was Providence, Rhode Island. So I know we still have listeners that remember me from those days on the score in Providence. All right. On Twitter, law Radio, on our Facebook page, too, a good news update from home and I do mean my home in New Jersey not there that's not where I am right now still in Texas packing up it's moving central here at the after hours super secret home base uh, getting ready for not quite a cross-country move but a 1700 mile move from Houston to New Jersey with uh, Bob's belongings and everything that we're taking with us. So that's what's happening when I'm not doing sports radio. So this is a nice respite. So check out my Twitter and Facebook and you'll see the update from home from New Jersey. Oh, those eyes those eyes 855-212-4227 that's our toll-free line 855-212-4CBS who and what are the worst teams in sports oh yes we've got some great answers that we'll get to straight ahead
0: As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co.
3: First and goal from the seven. Flacco, gun, waiting for it. Three on the play clock. Pumps the leg, takes the snap. Flacco, firing into the end zone. Cooper, touch, down! Amari
2: Cooper does it again!
3: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: On Browns Radio, it was a record day for one Amari Cooper. He actually thought he could hit 300 yards receiving in a single game at Absolutely would have been a record as it was. He settled for 265, which was the most ever for the Browns in their franchise history. And the reason I bring that up is because the Browns are sitting on 10 wins with the unlikeliest of quarterbacks behind the line of scrimmage. One Joe Flacco, who may very well be the comeback player of the year. I know it's not been a full season. Uh, Heck, it's not even been a half a season, Uh, but for him to step in the way that he has to resurrect a career that really was going nowhere fast that left him on the sidelines for the first few months with no home and no place to go, the Jets weren't even interested, uh, even though they'd had him on their roster going back last season. But for the... For the Browns, with their defense that continues to set the tone, for them to find a way to keep that run game revitalized and as the core of of their offense, regardless of what Joe Flacco can do and Flacco to Amari Cooper, it's amazing that the two veterans have been able to find a connection this quickly. But that's where the experience comes in. Uh, The fact that Joe has been able to get on the field And I'm not saying he hasn't missed a beat, because certainly uh, he had to get acclimated. But the fact that he could do this and take it in stride, there's joy there. There's a little bit of redemption and vindication there. But he goes about his business recognizing that he has a job to do. This is not about Joe Flacco as much as he's enjoying it. And that is evident. And now Joe and the Browns will take on the New York Jets coming up on Saturday and Saturday sorry coming up on Thursday and they have a chance to clinch the team's first playoff spot since 2020 and only the second in this current century uh Flacco no hard feelings against the Jets I mean there's not I wouldn't say a ton of history there the only thing is that they had the opportunity to sign him, uh, to bring him on board after Aaron Rodgers got hurt and they did not. Uh, but it's not something that he's hanging on to. And and so what is he thinking about as, you know, that they get ready to play the Jets? Probably not the Jets. And yet the question is put out there anyway about his mindset as they go into this game on Thursday.
5: Listen, man, it, it, you know, there's all kinds of things that happen throughout the course of the season and the off season and things like that. And, I enjoyed my
3: time while I was there and you know, it it is what it is. Uh, I'm I'm happy to be where I am, that's for sure. The the only reason it crossed my mind is because people ask me, hey, are the Jets going to call you? Like as soon as (laughs) something happens, you know, like all your buddies and everybody like that.
5: Um, But other than that, no, it really hasn't.
2: Yeah, I mean, I understand why people want to know, but he wasn't with the Jets for that long and he didn't have a prominent role with the Jets either. Now, the fact that they passed up on signing him or bringing him back on board, uh, when you think about what they have gone through now, these kind of iterations uh, from Zach Wilson and remember Mike White was there last year, and the year before too, but ended up uh, going to the Miami dolphins instead. So they kind of had a brand new quarterback room, but never anticipated that Rodgers would need not just one backup, but two, maybe three different guys that they've tried. So sure. In hindsight, could Joe Flacco have been a steady force? I guess. Um, and he did start four games for them last season, but there's no guarantee of that. I mean, it is somewhat funny though, to think about last year. And I don't mean funny. Haha necessarily, but somewhat funny to think about the fact that he did start for the Jets in week two At Cleveland and it was a victory for the Jets over Cleveland and he threw four touchdown passes. I did not remember this of my own accord by the way I I was reading I was going back and I was reading about Flacco versus the Jets. Um, But then after that game so there's the crazy part after that game which was this huge rally. uh, He actually called it one of the you know the crazier games of his career certainly a crazy finish in his career, but he did not throw another touchdown pass until he joined the Browns. Right, so New York went to Zach Wilson, of course, at quarterback. Uh, after that, and we're supposed to have Aaron Rodgers, but four plays in, he was out. So yeah, I understand. There's only 32 employers, potential employers in the NFL. Uh, he spent so much of his time in Baltimore. Obviously, the the start to his career, the Super Bowl win, the multiple 100 million dollar contracts back when that was a really impressive thing in the NFL. And so there sta- it, it stands to reason that there is some knowledge there. Uh, and now we've got week 17 kicking off with Jets and Browns again. Uh, and I just love this for Joe Flacco. I love it for Cleveland fans. Certainly love it for Miles Garrett, who's been that defense and the, you know, that the heart and soul of that defense are really the team. Uh, I love it for Kevin Stefanski and, and, all the various ways they've had to adjust and pivot over the course of this season. And even last season too, not having Deshaun Watson after signing him to that huge deal, because he was still suspended. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS sports radio. So on Twitter, a law radio on our Facebook page after hours with Amy Lawrence, Uh, many of you, in response to our question of worst teams in sports history are mindful of the 0 and 16 browns going back to 2017 and then before that the detroit lions which was 08 08 i think don't quote me but i think it was 08 uh, and so i did get uh, one post that yeah actually something that i've talked about before the lions this is why i say all the time the preseason is a a poor indicator of how you'll do in the regular season because the Lions that year were 4-0 and in the preseason and everyone thought, oh, maybe they're going to turn this ship around. Uh, Rhonda on Twitter, a big fan of the show, but also huge, huge, huge Cleveland sports fan, uh, says, I am truly enjoying the rebirth of Joe Flacco. Now that's a QB. Defense is solid. Let's go, Browns. Uh, Rhonda, happy new year to you and thank you for the kind words on Twitter. So again, Worst teams in sports history. And I am stunned by the fact that we've had two of you now say the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers. That is not even remotely true. You're still alive for the playoffs. How can it be one of the worst teams in sports history? Stop it. Some Steelers fans, you all are spoiled. Similar to Patriots fans, also spoiled. Let's see. Another tweet from Curtis. The Charlotte Hornets, the worst team when they were the Bobcats. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Another one, a hands down the all time worst team is the Chicago Cubs until two thousand and sixteen over a century of not being a winner. well, it's not that they had no losing or they had no winning seasons they weren't losers the entire time, but yes, going on you know all of those years a, a hundred plus years without a World Series championship is absolutely uh, the, a streak that I don't know that we'll ever see again. I really hope not. Uh, Joe says the 0-16 Browns as well as the Indians of the 70s. So lots of Cleveland fans weighing in. Oh no 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 no. Phil. Phil and others have pointed to the Washington Generals. The fact that they're three and seventeen thousand in their history. Okay, but you know that's rigged, right? You know it's rigged. (laughs) 855-212-4227. That's our toll-free line. 855-212-4CBS. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on After Hours. I'm going to turn to our Facebook page now and see if I can get some uh, new answers. Boy, you are don't don't tell anyone in radio that this is a time of the year when listeners are not engaged and that they're they don't show up in droves because that is not the case. I really enjoy working holidays because people are out of their familiar routines and we end up with a different audience, a diverse audience, so not The same as what we would get uh, when people are back into their work schedules, right? And their familiar schedules. Gosh, that that applies to us too here at the After Hours Super Secret Home Base. And so we generally end up with listeners who've either never caught the show before or haven't in a long time. So welcome. Let's see. On Facebook, Scott goes with the 73 Philadelphia 76ers that were 9 and 73. Uh, Mark says the 79 Athletics, 54 and 108 just before Billy Ball. Joe says the Dallas Mavericks of the 90s were historically bad. In 10 years, they failed to make the postseason in a league where more than half the teams make the playoffs every year. Oh, David, good answer. Our 2011 to 2013 Astros were pretty bad. At one point, a local sports radio station had a jingle where a course sang the obligatory Astros call when they would allow a single call about the then woeful team during their three-hour show. Uh, Obviously, lots better since then. That is the case. Uh, Dawn says the original John McKay Bucks. Yes, the creamsicle uniform started 0-14, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, actually, that uh, losing continued into year number two. And then I love this from Ron. The 0-16 Lions with Dan Campbell as their tight end. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dan Campbell has changed the culture and changed the perspective, changed the attitude, and certainly changed the direction of those Detroit Lions. But if we just could get the Pistons on board, maybe Dan Campbell can try to inspire those Pistons. One hour to go. Good morning to you. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.